Welcome to Episode 8 of Murder We Write. I'm your host, Carol Goodman Kaufman. On this podcast, I talk with crime writers whose short stories and novels run the gamut from cozies to domestic thrillers. We'll learn from them about their craft, their process, and the business of writing. I'm particularly excited about our guest today. Maine-based Bruce Coffin is the award-winning author of the best-selling Detective Byron mystery series. A former detective sergeant himself with almost 30 years in law enforcement, Bruce supervised all homicide and violent crime investigations for Maine's largest city. And following the terror attacks of 9-11, Bruce spent four years investigating counterterrorism cases for the FBI, earning the Director's Award, the highest award a non-agent can receive. Winner of Killer Nashville's Silver Falchion Awards for both Best Procedural and Best Investigator and the Maine Literary Award for Best Crime Fiction Novel, Bruce was also a finalist for the Agatha Award for Best Contemporary Novel. His short fiction appears in several anthologies, including Best American Mystery Stories 2016. So welcome to Murder We White, Bruce. Thanks so much for joining me today. Let's jump right in with the first questions. When did you start reading mysteries, and when did you start writing them? Carol, thank you for having me on the program. It's a pleasure to be here with you talking today. Uh, I guess I'd have to say uh, my first readings really were way back. Um, I pretty much read everything I could get my hands on, and uh, mystery was, because as a young lad, one of the one of the draws for me. Um, you know, I read uh, Sherlock Holmes adventures and... Uh, uh, Hercule Poirot. Um, even beyond before that, actually, there was a, a secondhand uh, store. I guess I don't even know if we called it uh, an antique store or a, a junk shop or something like that. But within bicycle distance of my home, and I can still remember that the excited feeling I got uh, going to the back of the store where all the shelves of books were, and uh, you know that musty smell, those great covers and great titles. Uh, they had the Nancy Drew books, um, the Hardy Boys, and they had the, like I say, they had the greatest titles. I mean, everything was about the mystery. And, uh, and I remember them being, I want to say like a nickel or a dime a piece, which is just incredible to me. My God, I could have the whole series now if I had, uh, for, for about five bucks, I could probably buy the whole thing. So, but I think that's really where I, where I started my love of those types of stories. And like I say, I progressed to to, you know, the Agatha Christie stories and Arthur Conan Doyle stories and uh, move beyond that. I think the first time I ever actually tried my hand at writing a mystery story would a couple of times was in uh, high school. And, um, and, but really my, I think my writing, which, which was really limited to only short stories at that point, um, was just more broadly based. I didn't, didn't really think I had a focus, uh, you know, mystery or otherwise. I just liked telling a good story, and if it popped into my head, then I would write it down. Um, and then, honestly, I after college, I, I gave up fiction writing entirely, um, and I didn't um, come back to it for almost 30 years. Uh, the reason that I actually, it was an accident, but the reason I actually got back into writing was uh, my wife bought me an iPad, um, for Christmas, um, in 2011 and trying to pull the dinosaur into the 21st century, I guess. And, uh, I, I finally discovered that there was a notepad app on that. And, um, much like having the typewriter in front of me back in the day, it inspired me to start writing. 
And uh, literally, it was that simple. The words and sentences began to pour out. And before I knew it, I was writing a, a mystery story about a police detective trying to solve murder. That's pretty much how it started. Bruce, you have vast experience in law enforcement on both the local and federal levels, so I have to ask you this. Do you ever use any of your experience in the field in your own stories? Do you rip from the headlines, as they say, or from your own murder books from your time in the police department? (laughs) It's funny you would ask that. Um, I I have a lot of people ask whether or not I use, um, like, real people, uh, you know, from my time on the job in my books as a way to populate the characters or that type of thing. Um, no, I, I really intentionally don't do that. I sort of made a deal with myself at the beginning when I first started writing this, and, and I don't know why I did that. A lot of the things that I've done correctly, as it turns out, were totally accidental. I mean, I really had no idea, like most writers going into this, what I was doing. So it was trial and error. But I, after, you know, three decades on the job, Honestly, I had had enough of that that type of life, you know, the true crime stuff that really happened. Uh, and I part of the point of retiring was to get a break from that. So, you know, even though the fact that I'm writing murder mysteries, it might sound counterintuitive if I was trying to make a break from that part of my life to write murder mysteries. But there's something cathartic about making up the stories. Um, you know, they're not there is no connection to real life. And somehow, you know, that that gives me the opportunity to try and right the wrongs or serve justice through fiction. And something that, you know, frustratingly in real life uh, sometimes doesn't happen. I mean, we don't always get the bad guy. We don't always get the conviction. And we don't always solve the crime. So, yeah, I've really made a, a concerted effort to stay away from that stuff that I did in real life. Obviously, there are parts of these books to keep them as realistic as possible that I, I do take from my own experience. Um, not the crimes themselves, but, you know, conversationally or situationally, a lot of things that happened on the job that were those frustrations or, uh, you know, heartbreaking moments or whatever it is, I will definitely draw on those and do draw on those to create the scenes in my book that I hope will uh, you know, help emotionally invest the reader into my character's lives. Well then, Bruce, you and I have something in common. You left a life of real crime fighting to one of writing fictional crime. I used to do research in criminology, and after one too many encounters with violent extremists, I had to leave the field. With fiction writing, I can have the ideal life of crime fighting. I love solving puzzles, and I have the satisfaction of getting justice for the victims. Now, my next question is, is Detective Byron somewhat autobiographical? (laughs) I always tell people, um, if there's any of my traits in Byron, they're just the good ones. And they always laugh, especially my wife. Uh, You know, obviously, I, I think there's probably part of me in each of the characters in the Byron series. Uh, and if there, if there was one that was probably more like me, I guess I would probably go with Byron if I had to pick one. Um, you know, he, I don't, I don't have the, uh, alcoholism problem and I don't have, uh, the divorce issue and any of that other stuff, but I worked with plenty of people that did. And I really, in creating him, I wanted to encapsulate as much of the reality 
you know, both really the good and the bad of, of the longtime people who investigate homicides in the, in those characters, but specifically John. And so he's really, you know, they lead a teeter-totter life because on one hand, you are trying to devote yourself to the job itself because really there's nothing more important if you're a homicide detective than getting justice for the victim and closure for the for the family members that are left behind. That really is what drives us. And um, in so doing, you're really forced as a detective to place the, the ones you love, your family, your spouse, your, your children, and, and, and all the things that they are involved in, in the back seat. You know, they, they take a they take a backseat role, they're in second place, and I think um, they know it, which causes issues. But I think they also, like the detectives themselves, know that if unless you're giving 100% of yourself, you're not doing the victim um, the best you can do. I mean, you have to, you really have to devote yourself to, to that to be effective at it. So I think I, in creating John, I, I've taken obviously some of the knowledge that I have from my time and, I, and some of the feelings I had uh, and maybe some of the, uh, the, the dark thoughts or the inappropriate humor uh, that occasionally arises with Byron, probably more so with Mike Nugent, but with Byron. Um, so yeah, I did, I've definitely used some pieces of myself in creating him, uh, but he and I are as I found out as, as time went on, are not the same person. And I think that was probably the biggest hurdle uh, for me as a new writer was separating those out. Uh, Kate Flora, who was my mentor in, in uh, when I first started out, is a crime writer herself, um, a prolific crime writer. And she told me that the, the biggest thing I could do to bring him to life was to be not afraid uh, of giving him vulnerability, um, even though I kind of felt like that might reflect on me. And it turned out to be the best advice um, I've ever been given. You are very fortunate to have had a mentor like Kate Flora. She is terrific. So let's start talking about your process. What is it that starts the story with you? Is it a particular crime you think of? Is it a particular character who's undergoing transformation or turmoil? Um, is it the setting? You write most of your stuff in set in Maine, right? I do. Um, Portland, Maine being the center of all of these, uh, obviously that's where John uh, works for the Portland Police Department. You know, every book has been different, I think, in, in what motivated me or what what was the muse behind the story. Uh, the first one really for me was I wanted to be able to tell a story that was engaging but, but character-centric, um, you know, in, in the possibility of writing a series, which I think all of us hope when we when we write a book the first time, uh, introduction of characters and that type of thing that it will actually lead to a series, was that I wanted to to make sure that the readers engaged with John and I felt like the the way to do that wasn't the info dump of John's backstory, but um, you know a smarter way to go about it might to actually be have the the story itself center around a historical part of John's life or in the case of Among the Shadows, John's life. Um, and really what it is is that his father, Reese, was a police officer in Portland before he was. Uh, is now deceased now. Uh, but uh, the fact that John has memories of his father and John has memories of, of his father serving and, and knew the people he worked with um, really becomes the center of that case that John works in that opening book. 
And uh, so it really gives the reader a taste of, of the history and uh, the background behind John and, and some of the things that John has grown up believing, uh, things that have shaped who he is today. Uh, were really paramount to that whole story. So it was a way of giving a backstory and having the reader care about the main character, uh, but without having it feel like an info dump. Um, You know, sometimes it's just something as simple as uh, the fourth book, uh, Within Plain Sight. It was, uh, I was leaving a diner one day in in, uh, downtown Portland on the waterfront. And as I was, I couldn't get, you know, as usual, you can't park any place close to where you want to go in the city. And so I had parked uh, several blocks away uh, near an abandoned lumber yard, um, uh, formerly the Rufus Deering Lumber Company that was in operation when I first started as a police officer in Portland. And, uh, you know, now it's just a, it was a fenced in area and a lot of dark and gloomy buildings. And uh, it got my attention. I was, I was returning to my vehicle and uh, immediately I started formulating an idea. I'm like, geez, what a, what a great place to leave a body. You know, you're right in the middle of the city, right in the middle of everything happening, but it's a place that no one really pays attention to because nothing's happening there and it's all fenced in and dark. And uh, the idea for the fourth book began to spring from that little seed. Okay, let's get down to brass tacks now with your writing process. Are you a believer in outlining or are you what's known as a pantser? I'm more of a hybrid, I guess. And uh, I always tell people uh, amusingly that had I been a, a, a plotter, it probably wouldn't have taken me two and a half years to write my drawer novel, the, uh, the infamous drawer novel that we all have, the book that preceded Among the Shadows. You know, I, I think the writing process, especially when, you know, if having written books, you know how hard it is to do that, to complete one, start to finish, you know, working through your ideas, weeding out the bad ideas, keeping the good stuff and actually finishing a book is is sometimes such a tedious process that, uh, you know, I, I know these people that will sit down and write a, you know, a 30 page outline or a 40 page outline and I'm sure it saves a lot of time in the actual writing later on because you've worked out a lot of those things already, you know, either ideas you didn't like or things that wouldn't work and would would stick in the, you know, the way the direction was going later on. But for me, that just seems, if you can avoid it, I think that's just a better way to go because, you know, especially when you know your characters and you know what they do and how they act and how they are with each other and, and you have... For me, I just really want to have a story. I, I know where the I want the story to open. Usually the grabber is the, the thing that I start with. I generally know exactly how I want the thing to end, although you know that's subject to change as the book goes on. If I can come up with a better way to write the ending or even a better ending, I'll change it. And I, and I have a general idea of how I want to get there, but I try not to stick you know, too much detail in beyond that because for me, the part of the fun of writing a book is the process of the journey itself. And if I know everything that's going to happen, um, it really kills, you know, the whole thing for me. I I like to be entertained as I write. You know, we all have those sessions where you sit down and, and it almost feels like the characters are acting out in front of you and you're just, you're taking dictation. You're trying to keep up with what's happening in front of you. For me, those are the most fun writing sessions because you, you're really visualizing what's taking place in, in these imaginary scenes and the, the real world is blocked out from you 
and you're you're just there. You're you're a person recording this fictional history, and I find that a lot of fun. And I think if I had every aspect of the plotting on a story done beforehand, um, writing a book would be extremely boring. So I try to avoid that when I can. And if I do a plot outline, I I try to keep it to a bare minimum uh, of detail. So this next question has a little personal background to it. When I was working on my first mystery novel, I brought the first 15 pages to the New England Crime Bake and had someone review them. And the person said to me, you need to have the murder right away. And I said, well, I just finished a, a book by P.D. James and her murder didn't happen until chapter 14. The guy looked at me and said, you're not P.D. James. So my question, do you feel the murder has to take place right away or can you lead up to it? That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> I'm not P.D. James either. Um, I remember getting a lot of advice like that when I first started. I had questions about things that, you know, like my agent or my editor were telling me that I could or couldn't do. And that was that was always my response. Well, you know, this person does it or, or Stephen King does it. Um, and their answer was always the same. You're not Stephen King. I, I think for a murder mystery, I think you, you definitely want to front load what the major thing is because you only have so many pages to solve this. And like, in, like I say, in a what I write is a procedural, so I'm really working hard at trying to stick as close to, you know, reality the way a case actually gets worked as possible within the realm of solving the thing in 400 pages. You know, it's like a longer version of Law and Order. You don't get an hour to solve it, but it's got to be solved within a day. So, you know, a day of the reader. And I think um, having it as early as possible makes sense. I think you really kind of have to you know, it has to have more to do with, I think, what your plot is, how the plot line is set up. I'll give you an example of that. On the second Byron book, which was Beneath the Depths, um, I intentionally had to write in uh, a an entire scene uh, from the viewpoint of the, well, it was third person close, but from the viewpoint of the person who would end up being the victim. And I hadn't intended on doing that. I wanted the, really the book to open with the body being discovered by a lobsterman off the coast of, uh, of Portland Harbor, you know, Casco Bay area, Portland Harbor. And what I came to realize was one of the things that, that I wanted to make hard for my uh, protagonist and his team in this book was that they had to investigate the death of somebody who was not a popular person. This was a, uh, a defense attorney known for... Um, being a less than desirable person in real life, um, had a lot of problems and it was win at all costs. So he wasn't popular within the police department. And in order to be able to show what he was like in real life, I had to give you, I had to give the reader a peek at this person before they were actually killed. And, uh, I hadn't intended on doing that, but it really worked out well. Um, I think, I think your story really has to dictate on how that goes. I mean, you, your, your editor's obviously going to have the final say, but I think the story ha has to dictate where the murder happens in the storyline. Bruce, as you well know, writing is a very lonely occupation. So was it hard for you to adjust to that quiet space after spending almost three decades working with people on a daily basis? Not as much as you might think. Um, 
you know, the, the time spent doing that job really was one of those things that also <laughs> makes you, because you're dealing with the worst of society all the time, and you're dealing with the stresses that come with that job, which at times can be overwhelming. So really, for, for me, retirement was a, a chance to take a clean break from that and actually to spend some quiet time uh, maybe inside my own head and sort things out and remove myself as, as much as possible from that other life to sort of see what was next. Uh, I'd already begun writing and um, was enamored with it again prior to retiring. Really, I'd, I'd been writing for about nine months uh, already when I finally did retire. So I had that to look forward to. And there were other things, you know, I, I jokingly, only half jokingly, I guess, told people that I really had had enough of people at that time and, and needed that break uh, to try to recharge my batteries. So really, you know, becoming a writer and kind of living inside my own head and, and sorting through that stuff, I think, was just part of the process. So uh, the other thing was I hadn't uh, I hadn't written uh, fiction while I was uh, working on the job, but I actually did start a side uh, hobby that turned into a business, um, and I was doing... Uh, landscapes and portraits and that type of thing, watercolor, oil painting. And really, I think that was my escape. Um, you know, the job wouldn't have allowed for me to spend time doing the fiction writing. Uh, you know, that, that takes a bit of brain power to do. And I was really using it up on the job. But I could spend 20 minutes at a time uh, whenever I had the chance to, you know, to sit down and dab some paint on a canvas and that type of thing. And it really was my escape. You know, I, as I look back on it now, I think it was probably my placeholder for storytelling because that's really what these two different art forms are. Um, one is just, you know, by using a brush and the other one's using a keyboard, but you're really storytelling. You're trying to evoke emotion from the person reading or, or looking at the artwork you've created. And I think both of them allow us as the creators a chance to uh, to to go live in this imaginary world for a while and, and escape from the real world. So for me, I think it was just a natural uh, progression um, and, and one that was badly needed. So you're multi-talented. That's amazing. But, you know, I can see how being able to visualize and put a, a scene on canvas would help you in putting a scene onto paper. Very interesting. But let's switch to the business aspect of writing. Do you use a publicist or do you rely on your publisher to do all your marketing for you? No, I don't have a publicist. Um, my, my wife has recently retired and she's taken on the role of, uh, I guess, home, home publicist and uh, chief uh, bottle washer and negotiator for my appearances and that kind of stuff. But uh, no, I don't really, really have that. Uh, HarperCollins, uh, really did the lion's share of, of what happened with the with the uh, Byron series, the first four books in the Byron series. And uh, I am now signed with a new publisher, uh, Severn River, uh, as I'm co-authoring a, a brand new series with Lindy Walker. And uh, I know they're already hard at uh, the process of, of getting the word out about these and how things will, will play out as we go. So I've been lucky in that regard with the publishers having the ability to do a lot of that for me. Um, but it's but it really never ends. I I tell people, you know, I I may not spend money on the advertising or that type of thing, but I'm I'm traveling a lot. I'm either going to the conferences, which 
you know, by my contract, I'm, I'm paying for them. They're, they're not, uh, no publishers writing a check for me to go to those conferences. doesn't work. I don't have that kind of uh, popularity and, uh, not yet anyway. And, uh, but, but I do appear at a lot of different types of, uh, events as well. You know, the libraries will have me, uh, bookstores will, will have me in. Um, and I occasionally will talk to the high school or the college writing students. Um, and some of those gigs are paying gigs and, and some are not. Um, you know, it really depends, uh, what the issue is. So, and really, you know, the, those may not be, you know, lucrative things to go to. I mean, you know, it costs money to drive or to fly or, or stay at a hotel and that type of thing, but I, it gets the word out, um, whenever I can, you know, talk to people, the, the readers themselves, you know, maybe a book club, that type of thing. That's, that's huge. I mean, I, you can't necessarily attach a monetary value to any of that type of thing, but it's it's connecting with readers, and I think that's for me that's the most fun is getting to actually go out. It's it's the equivalent of a rock band spending a year recording an album, and then you know you want to go out and perform. You want to have people see you and talk to you and talk about your characters and and, and get the excitement and really refill the well for yourself. Same thing that happens at a conference. You know when I get to see the fans and spend time with them and and other writers. Uh, you know, there's nothing more motivational than, than sitting down with those like-minded people and and really refilling that emotional well that we need to have so that we can move forward and write the next book. So that's a long answer to your question, but I but I think all of that really goes into publicity. There's just so many different ways to attack it. And I think if you want a large enough audience to sustain you, you have to constantly market what you're doing. Absolutely. Can you tell us, Bruce, what you're working on now? Can we expect to see something soon? Yes. Uh, actually, I, as I mentioned previous, I am working on a brand new series um, uh, with Lindy Walker, co-authoring a, a series with Lindy Walker. And uh, it's an adventure series uh, with some mystery elements. Um, there are brand new characters to, to both of our readers and, uh, the first novel, uh, we're in the, the final stages on that manuscript at this point, it's gone to editorial, uh, staff. The, the first manuscript, uh, is tentatively titled the general's gold. And, um, I think it'll be a lot of fun for the readers. It was certainly a lot of run, uh, fun for us to write. Uh, and I also have, um, some short stories that will be forthcoming this year in uh, a couple of different anthologies. One of them I'm excited about, um, particularly excited about, is the uh, the final Writers Police Academy, uh, which I will be attending and instructing at uh, in Green Bay or the Green Bay area in June. Uh, the the anthology uh, will include one of my stories um, that that actually I started writing about six or seven years ago and. Uh, I was never able to get the ending right to satisfy myself. So, uh, coincidentally, the story is called Writer's Block. Uh, <laughs> it's fun. I, I probably couldn't have picked a more appropriate title, but uh, I'm excited to see that I'll get out into the world. I really in, enjoy that story. Um, and then hopefully a few more uh, short stories will appear as the year goes on. Uh, I've had, had an invitation uh, for one and then also um, submitted to a couple of others. So... But uh, yeah, really, that's about it. And the other thing that I've got going is uh, in my in my free time, which there isn't much of, um, I've been still dabbling away and uh, trying to to finish up the manuscript for the fifth Byron. Um, and hopefully, we'll we'll see if that ever sees the light of day. I know there's still a lot of fan interest and 
Um, we'll see where that goes, but I, I want to at least have the, the book done and on the shelf so that it's not languishing there. I've, I've left my uh, characters in, in mid-stride, and I'd like to take care of that. So, But that's about it uh, for right now. Oh, my God. Between writing and painting and public appearances, you just may be busier now than when you were working full-time as a cop, no? And I want to thank you so much for taking the time from your packed schedule to talk with me today on Murder We Write. Thank you so much, Bruce Coffin. Thank you so much for having me on your program, Carol. Um, it's, it's been great to chat with you today, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you, hopefully in person, maybe uh, sometime later this year. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Please keep an eye out for our next episode of Murder We Write. Short Cast Club.